Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Summit Bid podcast. We Hello. are here with our uh, third episode here in the uh, Summit Bid gallery. With a nice image of Mount Rainier behind us. Yeah, we, uh, we're we going to just move this recording around the gallery. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to see like different areas of it. Oh, indeed. I wonder how long we can go before we have to reuse an area. I feel like you could go for quite some time. You might yeah. have to get a little creative with the setup, but to get it <laughs> yeah, in front yeah. of every photo in here. But yeah, there's a lot of cool spots. Um, okay, so um, this week we are going to be talking about the Adobe updates to Lightroom and Photoshop and maybe a little bit of Premiere. I don't know if you've looked into the Premiere update that I, much. I haven't been able to. I've been too busy using Premiere to update. <laughs> too busy using it to update. Yeah, so um, I've got some hands-on experience with the new Lightroom features. With Photoshop, I haven't actually used the new features that much yet. So, mm. um, But uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. And then we're also going to maybe talk about, um, because we're into editing, talking about the editing software, we're going to maybe hit on um, this new Luminar AI. The new, the new AI thing, yeah. The interesting controversy of using AI editing, probably. Right, yes. <laughs> it's a, well, I mean, yes, the interesting controversy, that's a good way of putting it, because mm-hmm. um, although I, I, I feel like it's almost being universally panned by photographers. Oh, interesting. Like, I'm, not, I'm not hearing much support for Luminar AI at all. Oh, interesting. I, I, uh, I didn't know that. I, I, what's the new thing with it? Well, it's a different program. I mean, we're jumping ahead, but it's a totally different program than Luminar. It's mm. it's the whole thing is that it's all AI editing. It's using AI software to edit the um, edit your photos and with emphasis on landscape and and portraiture, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's all um, like you know, fake skies, fake ambience, um, just kind of like you can just kind of make an image do supposedly whatever you want. So, interesting. And and the results are are interesting, but like I, honestly, I think if you're a halfway mm. decent photographer, you don't have a lot to worry about. I, I, I what's interesting is is that it brings out so much fear in uh, in photographers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. I guess to circle back around uh, from this back to kind of the beginning with the Lightroom and Photoshop updates, it kind of seems like a lot of what they added to Lightroom and Photoshop was maybe in response to some of the stuff Luminar is doing. That is interesting, yes. Um, so let's uh, start off with Lightroom. So the headlining new feature of Lightroom, this is going to be Lightroom uh, CC desktop version 4.0, is what it's saying, um, is that it actually has a color grading section. So they have replaced the split toning um section in Lightroom with this new color grade section that is very similar to um, color wheels, color wheels in Adobe Premiere. And then Mm -hmm. also in, if you've ever used um, capture one um, it's very similar to a section in that. So, and honestly, this is something that Lightroom's color editing has been subpar for quite Mm -hmm. a while. Well, and mid tone adjustments as well. Like there was no actual mid tone adjustment um, except for, well, clarity technically is, it increases the contrast in the, in the mid-tones, mid-tones right? right? Right. But it doesn't give you the control that like a, um, a curves adjustment would. Now, I was playing with Lightroom a little bit more, and if I had been talking before, I would have gotten this wrong, but I did realize that they have changed it to where you can use the, um, uh, the curves adjustment uh, section like normal as opposed to that weird sort of binded thing it well does. it always it's had that for a while you just have to click that little that little button to yeah to it's change like it. it's, it's hidden but it's very yeah. hard to use curves in the uh yeah lightroom curves has always been kind of interesting it's been less um i would say precise than photoshop i always like mm-hmm. using even though i oftentimes when i'm doing my editing uh, curves adjustment is actually something I will do in Lightroom before I export it into Photoshop and then do my other editing. Um, because it, it, to me, the curves adjustment is just such a baseline important aspect of, um, of, of images. So, so right now you are kind of using 
I don't know, you're not using Luminar AI at the moment, no. but you're using Luminar and Photoshop and Lightroom. So yes, um, so <laughs> to edit, yeah. Just as a starter, before we get into some of the new features and how they may impact your workflow, what what decides, what, what's kind of your thought process through picking which ones to use and which combinations? So for me, it really is truly a workflow. Um, I kind of import everything into Lightroom and then I start doing some kind of baseline adjustments in Lightroom. Um, I will uh, kind of go through and do some color correction. If I'm going to do a hard color grade, um, then I will go ahead and, and start working on that, laying that in and on Lightroom. The curves, um, the the general exposure. Um, I like the targeted adjustments in Lightroom, like the, um, uh, it's like a, um, the uh, variable filter, like whatever, the, oh. the thing you drag down. I can't think oh, what it's the, called. Oh, um, uh, yeah. the, why can't I, I why, can't why think, can't I think what it's called? But it's it's like, uh, here, I will open up Lightroom and and uh, and talk like I'm actually a professional photographer who uses Lightroom well, every it's the, day. It's the main filter you use. Although <laughs> I, don't, I, I just don't, I don't. Uh, think about the names. I don't think about the names anymore. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's the, uh. Oh, it's not the radial because that's the circle. Right, it's not the later radial. It's the um, uh, see, it doesn't even say what the name is. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, the neutral. The it it's it allows you to like for example, if you wanted to change the exposure on this guy, you drag down from this guy. Variable, yeah. It's like um, a variable density filter. Um. I don't know why it's not showing the name on it, but anyway, that is kind of the, um, I use that a lot <laughs> for mm-hmm. not knowing what it's called. I use that all the time when I'm editing uh, photos. And then I actually export into Photoshop. Um, and I, uh, I, you know, as a PSD, I actually use PSD instead of TIFF. And then in Photoshop, I actually use Luminar 4 as like a filter. Okay. That so... Um, and so like I, I'll, you know, on a separate layer and then I do, um, a lot of the, the more in-depth, uh, color edits and, and ambient edits in, in Luminar, um, it, Luminar 4 has a lot of very powerful tools. Um, it's overall a much more powerful editing tool than Lightroom. And honestly, like it's like Lightroom just added one tool that Luminar has, and but they're mm-hmm. still like forty behind. Like mm-hmm. with some of the tools that that Luminar has, um, I still can't just use Luminar um, because, um, like, I merge a lot of panoramas, and Lightroom's mm-hmm. best for that. And Lightroom, you can't beat Lightroom's cataloging mm-hmm. at this point. Like Luminar has a catalog feature. I've just I've not really used it much because it just doesn't, it's not as powerful as Lightroom. And then, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, I still use Photoshop too. So it just makes sense to kind of have uh, Luminar right in the middle there. And then I, I finish it in, in Photoshop with, mm-hmm. um, with like very targeted adjustments and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, at this time, since I'm mostly doing video now, um, I use Lightroom for doing uh, like uh, time lapses. So mm. Like when you have a bunch of raw stills, you can do the editing in there. I I bet you can do that with Luminar now, but just the I have a workflow for how to how to export and get it all ready, right? And right. Uh, and how to add those adjustments in. So uh, I'm kind of looking at the Lightroom stuff. I am pretty excited about the having the. Um, color wheels because right the color grading yeah. that's kind of what i'm, I'm right well using. and like it it actually is i'm fairly impressed with the power of it um having the ability to edit in midtones um is really nice mm-hmm. and like i've, I've kind of I, like i've been only messing with it now for you know five or six days um but i you know i was all expecting to kind of rag on lightroom like oh finally you added something you know like but i'm still going to use luminar but actually i probably will do more of my color grading in lightroom now mm. um and like the, the wheels are very intuitive and and kind of fun to use and mm-hmm. like you you can get some more um precise um uh like 
color colors in, in different areas. Like for instance, I was just editing an image today that I um, I wanted to warm the sky um, a more magenta warm, mm-hmm. and I wanted to warm the foreground and shadows a more um, yellow warm. Mm-hmm. And like it's very intuitive to be able to do that now. And then you can do the balance and stuff. And then like if you want to really separate it, which is what I did in the image, um, which actually, you know, I, I guess I could I could throw that image up on the screen mm. since we have that thing or in the show notes. Um, yeah, for sure. Where the the midtones I actually cooled off to add that separation. So mm-hmm. you kind of had a, a more magenta highlights in the sky, and it was a very uh, smoky image mm-hmm. um, of uh, of uh, Mount Sneffels in uh, the San Juans. Or oh yeah, so you probably took that. It's probably going to also be in a upcoming vlog. Release. It will be actually the in yeah. the next week that image will be featured All in right. there. So great. Um, so some of the other stuff that Lightroom well, added. I did have one question before oh, we move oh, yeah, on. Yeah. Um, can you use it in the targeted adjusted adjustment brush tools and no. everything? So no. it's, it's, it's a global image thing. Only. It is a global thing. And you actually can do a global, um, color grade with it. Um, which is kind of interesting. So you don't have to do it in the shadows, midtones and, and highlights. Oh, you can actually do a global, um, thing, which I, I could see that being handy if like your image is way too, way too cool or way too warm. Although honestly, the temperature controls at the at the top kind of yeah, do that should same be thing. Able to help you at least correct it, unless you're right. going for something. Unless you're going for a very specific color, I could see yeah, it being useful. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's it's great, and again, Lightroom doesn't have things like layers, which Luminar has layers. So like, even if you like didn't use it targetedly, um, mm-hmm. like you know, you can you can just put on another layer, and that's one of those things where just like it doesn't make total sense as to why. Lightroom is so far behind mm-hmm. some of these things. Like I would love for Lightroom to like if Lightroom had like the ability to um, target any um, like with the with the uh, targeted adjustment tools in Lightroom. There's only certain things that you can do, mm-hmm. um, and if you could do it with anything, mm-hmm. any section in Lightroom, or you had layers or some way to work around it. Like I I could see myself just for simplicity, just moving into a Lightroom only workflow. But as it is right now, like I, I, you know, mm-hmm. it has to go through all of these, these processes to kind of get what I want. Cause you just like, you can, you can take an image a long way in Lightroom, but you'd be amazed at how much more you can pull out with some of these other tools that they mm-hmm. have out there. Indeed. So the other thing they did is they added graphical, you can add graphical watermarks to your photos. I thought that that was something you could already do, but yeah, I'm not actually sure how this works. I haven't actually looked at it, but here's what it says. It says you can now add your brand's logo or unique signature as a graphical watermark. When you export an image from Lightroom, uh, watermark settings will be seamless. will seamlessly sync across Lightroom desktop and mobile platforms. I guess, I guess it's now just more, it's a lot easier. Um, like I've, I've been putting graphical watermarks on images, for a long time. So mm-hmm. I may have to dig in to see how this is actually different. It's also funny how um, on the example page, they have the watermark right in the middle. Of right. The I know. Which, <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe you do that for a stock site, but right. Um, or, or for, it looks like for this, it's like for an advertising, um, uh, use case. Like oh, it's like a print, which is interesting. Why? I mean, at that point, just use Photoshop. You have, I feel like yeah. you would almost have to use Photoshop to dial anyway. that in, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's a it's a functionality it has, right? And then um, you can now explore a personalized Lightroom feed and follow inspirational photographers. Um, again, I have not really looked at this feature. Whoa, it's trying to do social media. It kind of seems a little bit like that. Like, and Adobe is always experimenting, like, like with uh, like they have the Behance portfolio page thing and like you know you can tell they're experimenting with different things that they hope will catch on like um but the the biggest thing adobe did was make all of their software subscription based so they're Mm. like they made it instantly more accessible but also like a never-ending expense which is kind of uh frustrating so yeah um there's also lightroom will now automatically help you pick your best photos um, choose best photos allows you to quickly pick the best photos from hundreds of photos within a selected album. Lightroom suggests your best photos based on picture quality, the people within them, 
Um, you can customize the results using the quality threshold slider, easily share, flag, or rate your select photos. I mean, this seems like a very consumery yeah, uh, no. feature. I mean, I feel like it would have such a hard time with your catalog because it's like yeah, right. all the panoramas. It's all the like, panorama slides. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, maybe it would just <laughs> show you all the, it would be like a, a way to right. immediately sort to now, just the panoramas. I could see this being amazing if, um, if it would tell you the images that aren't in focus, but I don't even know how mm. I would know that. I mean, like I, I've, at some point, AI, now that's a feature of AI that I see, I feel like could be really useful as being like, hey, we understand what the subject is in it and the subject's not in focus. So just allow you to just get rid of them so you don't have to deal with them. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we're, we're a few years out from that. Yeah. So, well, I guess cameras can tell a human eye. So. Right. No, for sure. A, I mean, in, if there's a human eye in an image, almost certainly at least one of them needs to be in focus. At least right. you want one of them. Right. In focus yeah. I mean, anyway. that, that's a really good point. Um, that being said, but uh, how is it going to know? Like, for instance, if you're shooting a bride and groom, like you're going to want those bride's eyes and razor focus, and the groom's eyes, you may not care that much. Um, how I mean, is it going to know that you're like, okay, this is the one that I want? I mean, it's all these little variables mm -hmm. that, like, at the you know, by the time you finish inputting yeah. all the different parameters, you could have gone through all your photos anyway. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, so, of course, there's new support for cameras and lenses. And then there's also um, some new uh, Zoom tools. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it's nothing um, that earth-shattering, but... Um, it's, it's useful, you know, having mm -hmm. more ways of zooming in and checking things out. And, um, you know, I always just go in one to one and kind of see that based on that mm -hmm. occasionally I'll use two to one, but I don't really need to. Normally you can see what's in focus with one to one, but I mean, it's, it's nice to have. Yeah. So, um, but more of now we can move on to the, the new Photoshop, which Photoshop, this is where we're seeing this Adobe, kind of Adobe takes on Luminar mm -hmm. features because the headlining features are sky replacement, which Luminar added in, in um, their most like six to eight months ago, something mm -hmm. like that, yeah. which it actually works really well. I mean, it's, it's kind of mm -hmm. fun to, to use. Um, again, we can kind of talk about the ethics of some of that in a minute. Like, mm -hmm. you know, would I ever replace a sky in an image? But, you know, now Photoshop has it. I'm sure that it works well in Photoshop. I mean, Photoshop's got a, a legendary engine mm -hmm. behind it. And uh, I'm actually, you know, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some applications where, you know, as a, as a graphic designer, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, and a photographer, I mean, like, I'm not going to totally say it's invalid to change out the sky. I feel like mm -hmm. it, 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 it's an interesting conundrum. But it's not my favorite. It's not my mm -hmm. personal favorite to be like, hey, um, the, you know, we'll change out the skies. But mm -hmm. um, it also has this new thing called neural fil filters. Excuse me. It says, explore a range of creative ideas with new reimagined filters powered by Adobe Sensei. Colorize your old black and white photos, alter facial expressions, or drastically edit your portraits. I mean, this looks pretty cool. Like, you know, and they have this sample image here that shows like basically what um, Snapchat's doing with like the aging filters mm -hmm. or the yeah, changing sure. gender or whatever. So, but having that Photoshop engine, it'd be interesting to see again, yeah. kind of a fun thing to maybe play around with. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, I feel like a lot of this stuff is like useful if you're trying to build a web page for something or, or oh, interesting. Like if you're trying to maybe not necessarily with making someone look older or younger, but if you're just trying to make a product look, perfect or a location look really good you might want to replace the sky to make it look perfect for a client right or something. Yeah, yeah and uh, real estate photography mm -hmm. like you you replace skies all the time well and i wonder what the options would be um you know like colorizing old black and white photos sounds like a really cool thing if it works if it works yeah um, i mean again it, i mean it probably wouldn't necessarily be accurate but even if it just looked good it could be fun Right, um, right. I could see there being a, a very difficult to pick, like the right skin tone for a, a person, and mm. it sounds like a you could run into issues with it doing a, yeah. a job that looks nice but doesn't look accurate at all. 
Um, you, cause people that actually do that, like go in and just color it pixel by pixel. They do like historical research to figure out, you know, right. at that time, what was this brand's colors and, right, you yeah. know, stuff like that. That's very, um, you know, dialing in the exact right. color of green for right. an army uniform based off of uniforms in museums and stuff like that. It, it, well, it and quite match it's that. very hard um, to colorize a black and white photo. I've done that quite a few times. And like you're starting from this place of, of gray you're not building up on top of white. So it's hard to get a, a pure color um, mm -hmm. without it looking you know, like oversaturated or the gray kind of changing the tint or like mm -hmm. it's a tricky business. And I've, I've done it. Um, and, you know, some of my stuff I think has, has turned out quite well. Um, but you still, you'd know that it was a colorized black and white photo. So, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's going to be kind of fun to um, play around with. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and they now have pattern preview, yeah. which this is actually something like for like graphic design work, I, I could see being very handy where you can now, you know, see how your design would come to life. It says, uh, yeah, come to life as a pattern. Um, you can now quickly visualize and create seamlessly repeating patterns in real time with pattern preview. So like, yeah, this is just something that is going to be really, really nice for creating patterns really quickly um, rather than, like creating a shape and then, you know, taking it in and, and you know, seeing how it work and then pulling, coming back out and making adjustments, mm -hmm. like creating patterns in Photoshop will now be a lot um, easier and, and more and probably mm -hmm. seamless. I'm, I'm excited to see what a lot of people do and I'll, I'll probably even use it occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of the headlining features. There's another couple of side things like you can now learn more directly in the app. Um, there's the app discover panel. Um, they have enhanced cloud documents. Um, so that's good. And I've actually started using Adobe's cloud documents for quite a bit of, um, uh, things. It's just kind of handy place to kind of keep them. It's a mm -hmm. somewhat instant backup for an important project. You know, the huge files, which can happen in Photoshop, you can get huge files. Um, I haven't done that much, but with some of my smaller, um, design things, like for instance, the, the thumbnail for, you know, this video, I kind of keep that PSD file mm -hmm. in the cloud. So it's, you know, I can just, you know, bring in a new, the new assets for this particular episode. And then, you know, just, it's easy to have it there. Mm -hmm. And then I can, um, uh, share like a, a JPEG of it, you know, down the road. Um, so there, I mean, there's definitely things with the Adobe cloud documents. That's really handy. Um, from like a, a day to day, um, working basis if you use Photoshop all the time, like I do. Yes. Yeah, so when do you think it is acceptable to replace this guy in an image? Um, Your ooh, interesting. Opinion. Yeah. In my personal opinion. Um, I think if like, if you're using the image for like for advertising or to promote something else other than just for the sake of artistic photography, like I say, sure, that's great. Like if you're taking a real estate, like you don't know that you're going to be on the best day to get that sky. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so if you, you know, you're trying to sell a house, that's the end goal, change the sky. Mm -hmm. Like, um, or if like you're, you're, you're designing like an advertisement for a ski resort and you know, you want to put a more dramatic sky, you know, your, your end game in that particular scenario is to sell lift tickets. Well, so, and I think in both, context that you just brought up the it, it being that specific sky the sky that it was when you took the picture mm -hmm. isn't necessarily important because right. it's, it's not going to look that way when they go there right exactly and, yeah and it's an interesting thing because with landscape photography i would say you you wouldn't want to do that and i have some reasons why right um for sure but you know i think that the interesting thing is is even though maybe somebody would be inspired to go to a place because of a photo of it there's a line crossed where it's like it, it stops making sense to replace the sky. And I think the reason why is the, the, the subject is kind of the moment in a landscape. Right. So it's right. like that moment and, and you undermine that when you replace the sky with something completely different from right. some completely different right. place or completely different time. When you start undermining the momentness of an image 
when it's for that image's sake, mm-hmm. the sake of just the image being right. good. I think right. that that's where you cross that line. And then, of course, I think that as, as a, if you're a photographer, a landscape photographer, you want to be consistent so people always know that your skies are legit. Right. I, that is, okay, yeah, for sure. You should start from there that you want to be consistent, I feel like, if, if, you're, if you're not. But I, I, I mean, I definitely agree with you with that moment thing. And then I just, I feel like, um, like authentic, authenticity is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a, it's an intangible thing. Like, um, if, if, if it's an inauthentic moment, it's gonna, it's gonna show in kind of all of your, um, the entire image, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I feel like like authenticity is going to win out. So mm-hmm. like you get a sky, if you're like at the Grand Canyon and you're like, oh, wow, I'll take this shot, but the sky was terrible. I'm going to put in a new sky. Um, like you're, even your attitude while you're taking that picture is not very authentic. You're not mm-hmm. trying to focus in and um, capture what. So it's like you're starting the inauthentic authenticity right then Mm -hmm. and then because you're like oh well it doesn't matter i'm gonna switch it out so you're 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 paying less attention you're not trying to focus in on what's making that moment that time Mm -hmm. that place special you're you're focused on like oh i just want it to look good for instagram which i think this is what a lot of is driving this is like the Mm -hmm. the the um the way the images are presented on instagram now in order to get likes like it just has to be like it, it being a good image isn't what it needs to be. It needs to be like mm-hmm. eye catching and poppy. And, and the, the constraints of the platform are, are real mm-hmm. with the, yeah. I would say probably the size more than the aspect ratio, but the aspect ratio is constraining too. I mean, right. Well, and it, it went from square to now it's four by five, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't post anything on Instagram. That's not four by five. So like I shoot a lot of my photography is, is these, panoramic landscapes like Mount Rainier here. Mm -hmm. And like this image is hard to have be impressive on Instagram because it's significantly smaller Mm -hmm. than, um, uh, than like a a four by five, Mm -hmm. you know, um, portrait orientation image. There's no way to just turn the phone and have it be big. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and honestly, I understand like, and there's constraints to Instagram, but it's also, it's really just showing limitations for Instagram kind of being the home of photography right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, that's what it is. Like, you know, when I'm out sh- shooting in the mountains now, like I'm like, Oh, you know, I get this awesome shot. And I'm like, you know what? I better grab some verticals so that I can post mm-hmm. stuff on Instagram, you know, because like it just, that's the nature of it. Yeah, even video finally caught on Instagram because of reels. Right. They're, yeah. They're all vertical. They're all vertical. And yeah. they tried to do that with uh, um, Instagram TV, IGTV. Yeah. And that's just not going to work because if you're making a production of any kind, like you need it to be the normal landscape format. Right. So the number of people willing to produce for, um, willing to produce like a 10 minute video to be vertical wasn't enough. So they had to actually compromise. Right. They made it where you could post landscape videos on there and you can rotate it and make it full screen. Right. But um, now reels is, is which reels is basically TikTok built into is. Instagram. Yeah, it's TikTok built into Instagram. And, and since most people, I think literally take them on their phone, edit them in the app and post them Yep, because they're like, I, I can't think what the maximum amount of time is, but it's like not 30 sure seconds. Yeah. Or something something like that. It may be a minute. I'm not even sure how long reels can be. I have not messed with it yeah. much. As you can tell, I, I we've posted one. Between the two of us, I think oh, I posted wow. one. Okay, cool. I did a. Uh, I wanted to explore <laughs> the what it could do, and it got views. I mean, not a ton of views, but it it got looked at. Right. Um, right. So it seems like Instagram's really pushing right. reels. Well, at and the Instagram moment. is always going to be pushing the next thing because, like, like there was just regular Instagram posts, and then that got replaced by Stories, mm-hmm. and then now Stories is kind of being uh, Reels is kind of moving in on Stories. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they just re- they completely reconfigured the uh, home the way the app operates. They right. moved all these buttons around to make a big reels button on the bottom. Right. So you just go um, straight there. So you just go straight to reels, just like how they put stories in at the top. It wasn't just you had to go like I think at the beginning you had to go to the person's account 
really clicked on their profile picture. I'm not sure on that for stories, but right. Well, I know it was at the top pretty quick, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so anyway, but I, I to kind of get back on subject with the the sky replacement. Um, I feel like that's driving a lot of things, and and honestly. I think that like this AI and we can, you know, kind of move into this Luminar AI software, which is taking sky replacement kind of to the next level. Um, so it, uh, you know, it, it's all about like when they're advertising this on their site, if you go to Luminar AI, um, the skyloom.com Luminar AI, mm-hmm. um, it's all about it being super quick, super easy. Like it really is, you know, I don't know whether it's encouraging laziness, but like it's definitely like you don't like, you know, it's saying like less tutorials, more results is like one of their headlining things. A fewer tutorials, more results. Um, and it is more time for your creativity and like all of this stuff. And like, I mean, I understand um, where they're coming from. They, you know, they're trying to lower the barrier to entry to, you know, a lot of, a lot of things, but mm-hmm. like in, you know, the, 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 the true artwork, I feel like and a lot of times is in the details, both on the capture side and in the edit side. Mm-hmm. And if you're just like, oh, wow, you can make it look cool. Um, and you know their sample. They have a picture of the Dolomites here on their on their mm-hmm. thing with the thing, and it's it's okay. Like like I can, like it just feels um, almost like a video game world to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that if if that's where we're going is screenshots of of video game worlds, mm-hmm. um, then like this is kind of kind of where it is. And the thing is, is that like. You're if you're you if if you get dependent on this software, you're not going to learn. Mm-hmm. You're not going to learn. Well, you're not going to push yourself to go out at the right time. Right. You're not. Like yeah. they have the sky AI example is a dude standing on top of a hill with some flowers in the foreground. If you go to the website, you'll see it. Link in the description. Right. And you can you watch it like shift from I guess the rawish file over to the post. AI version and he's just looking into a black sky right and they put in the Milky Way in a really um, uh, like compositionally pleasant place right Um, now here's the thing you can just take that photo you don't have to replace the sky you can get a Milky Way in a place and a person in the foreground right but I I think that the sad thing that's that AI like this does is if someone doesn't know who you are and you put in that effort right. to get the real Milky Way and a real person standing in front of it, maybe mm-hmm. you explode, maybe you exposure blend or something, but it's all, it's all there. Right. People who see it will just, their knee jerk reaction will be, Oh, that's cool, but it's fake. Right. Or if you get the Dolmites with some sort of crazy, nice atmosphere in front of them, like the lights right. catching water after a rainstorm well, or whatever, here's what's a concern. What I would argue is, is that, Actually, you know, it, it is kind of an opportunity to set your work above if you actually do put in the work. Mm-hmm. Because to me, this image here with the birds there and the sun rays and the fog and everything, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Like my eye is like, oh, wow, that's cool. But like, like if they, if they were uh, like, if you often, like I said, authentic, authenticity is mm-hmm. going to win out. I really do think that that's true. Like an, an image that has an amazing sky there's an intangible to it because the entire environment is reacting to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, all of the lighting, the, the, you know, everything just kind of goes into the, what's going on in that moment. And to just, you know, like, Oh wow, we can change the tint and then, mm-hmm. you know, um, cut around the edges of the mountains to make a cool sky. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's, it's, it's not, it's not going to look as, as real as, mm-hmm. as what you're actually what you're capturing, actually able right, to right what you're actually able to capture and yeah. and and I think as a photographer like so I'm not going to name any names here but there is a photographer who I've been um, following for a while is like similar like slightly less followers than me and I don't have very many so mm-hmm. like but like you know he's a landscape photographer and I watched him he's he uh, you know was growing um, and you know he was getting great shots, and then I saw the image where I saw that he purchased Luminar mm-hmm. and started putting in fake skies, 
and you know it got it got a lot of likes mm -hmm. and like but he's kind of plateaued like every image since has been fake sky and it's not mm -hmm. it's not growing anymore and like it, you know it 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 made me sad you know mm -hmm. it's like oh here's this person and instead of finding a tool that's going to push him further like it's just caused it just to flatline like he's mm -hmm. he's I, you know i recognize the sky from luminar like mm -hmm. literally in, in one of the images i saw yeah why get up for sunrise if you can right. just make it sunrise right yeah why yeah why why look at research weather conditions why you know why go multiple times right it exactly adds to that pokemon thing of just kind of collecting the the image the and then just like you can make it look amazing I, supposedly amazing i wonder if it can be as satisfying though like when you get really nice color like right in the gallery here we have a lot of images with really nice color in the sky and detail right. and stuff that actually happened like that's like that's part of why you love photography is the failure contrasted with getting the shot correct yeah um contrasted with getting that that color in the sky or that sun star in the perfect place. Like that's, and I think in a lot of ways, that's also based off of running a gallery. I know that's what a lot of, at least people who want it on their walls, that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And it's almost gotten to the point where they're so scared of editing. They want it to be shot on a film camera and not touched and printed twice or whatever. Right. You right. know, that's starting to become a thing people want because they want the authenticity. They want to feel like right. you went out and got this and I'm looking in, I'm looking through a window at a moment. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's, it's, it's, if you literally do nothing to an image, you just compose it and shoot it and print it. You're, you're not even going to be able to get the energy of the place if you don't right. have the ability to. And, and I also think your perspective as, a, as the photographer matters as to how you want the colors and the contrast. And right, these, to kind of play, these, yeah. These elements that I feel like make the photo special and make the photo yours as opposed to just somebody was in that place. Right. You know, in addition to stuff like composition. Um, now, I could see someone arguing. They're like, well why is a fake sky different than like editing the color or even converting it to black and white? Because in black and white, you're taking away all the color information and, and making mm -hmm. it, you're, you're changing. We don't see in black and white, right? Mm -hmm. And like black and white is a great way to take great photos in the middle of the day, by the way. So mm -hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. so what, what is it about the sky that's different? I think it's, I think it's the, um, like I said, like it's it's not so much that the sky wasn't there. It's it's more your attitude with capturing it in mm -hmm. the first place. It's more your the way that you're approaching um, mm -hmm. taking that image is and, and and editing that image. You're saying like, oh well, I didn't get what I wanted, so I'm going to put a new sky in, mm -hmm. and then it'll be what I want. I mean, I would argue that maybe there is a, a fundamental difference like color and contrast is somewhat subjective, just period. Like I'm colorblind. Right. So I th see things differently <laughs> than everybody else sees them. Right, like right. it's just, it's a little bit different for me. And I feel like the, the thing of it is, is if somebody went and let's say, for example, somebody who's into sky replacing, somebody went to Snuffles and decided that they didn't like the shape of Snuffles. So they made it look completely different like you see it right. all the time people stretch their photos to make it look taller but i mean right. even yeah. more extreme than that they, right. they added a whole nother thousand feet worth of stuff in right. photoshop yeah. to the mountain yeah. i feel like everyone would be like wait like okay maybe it looks cool and that's fine like right. there's validity to something looking cool right but it's no longer snuffles at all. It's right. not that moment anymore. Right. And well, it's yeah. It's no. The, it's not even. It's not even a place. Let alone a moment. A it's not even a place. In the the sky in the background, to some degree, is part of that. Especially mm -hmm. if you're trying to represent a moment like that. Cloud was there, and that's the point. Like it's there, right. and you can make it more saturated or, or make it stand out more or less, and different things like that. But it's there, and if if you if you take a sky from a different place entirely, it's just, it's not that moment. And I think right. that with most digital art, the more, um, let's say advertising or it's just, it's about something else. It's about the, the product in the foreground or whatever. Right. Right. It's, it's maybe a little different. The goal you're going for isn't to show snuffles. 
it's right. To show yeah, it's to something else. It's to right. Yeah, exactly. And um, like to me, one of the things that that's different than the way that people interact, like you know, being in the gallery and, and stuff, like it's uh, photography is not more valid than other forms of art, like paintings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I feel like with photography is that when people, part of the reason people want photography and why it's a growing thing for people to hang in their houses and collect and all this thing is, mm-hmm. is it's like um, when you bring in a painting and you hang it in, in your house, mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of, you're hanging that painter, you know, mm-hmm. on the wall. Like that person's personality, that person's viewpoint is is very upfront and strong, and that's what you're bringing into your house, right? Mm-hmm. And I think part of the allure of photography is is that you're more bringing in the place. Like mm-hmm. someone would would buy this this print of Mount Rainier, they'd mm-hmm. be like, because I want Mount Rainier in my house, right? I don't want mm-hmm. a painting of Mount Rainier. I want Mount Rainier, mm-hmm. and like now. They granted, like as a photographer, there's been a lot of artistic decisions made, like mm-hmm. you know the focal length, the um, the aspect ratio, the color, mm-hmm. and all of these things. But that stuff kind of fades into the background, certainly in the the mind and subconscious of mm-hmm. someone who's interested in that art form. Um, and to me, the these other images, I don't think like you know this these this image on the Luminar AI side of the Dolmites. It looks cool. It would get likes on Instagram. I really doubt people would purchase it and hang it in their house. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just do. It's, um, it's kind of a, a, uh, um, a, a disposable, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, uh, form of landscape photography. It's, it's, um, it's like painting, but you take the the person out of it, kind of. Right. Yeah. Like it's not the person's. It's not quite like, like, let's say you, you bring a photo into Photoshop and you make each of those little adjustments on your own in your own way. Right. That's a little bit different. I still don't know that people would hang that in their house or not. Right. But you, you picked the sky out right. of an image you took someplace else and right. you added that atmosphere right. and you added the color and you made a decision right where you wanted the birds, et cetera. Right. I mean, I think that's with Luminar doing that work for you, it's Luminar's painting of something. It's right. almost a machine's <laughs> painting of yeah, something exactly. using a person's photo as a starting point. And right. like the, there was this uh, one thing that like music, we could have music designed by computers. That would be so awesome soon. Like music's going to be the first art form um, that you can have a computer compose something. Right. Right. And in my opinion, I, I would, it would always feel if I knew now you could trick me and be like, Oh, this is this. And I could be like, Oh, this is a nice song or this is good music. Right. Right. But if I found out that a machine made it, it would kind of ruin it for me. Mm. Like I would mm. be like, Oh, even though it's good, part of the reason why I like music is there's a connection, a human to, connection. There's a con- yeah. connection to a person that felt something or, liked the sound of something or was trying to convey an emotion or a feeling about mm. something. And I, I wouldn't want a machine's great song. I would rather have a human's pretty good song. And yeah, I, that may not be held by everybody, but I would rather have a photographer that went someplace and put in the work who got a pretty good image of an actual sunrise right. from the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. then I want everything perfectly dialed in right because uh, by a machine, by a machine, I don't want everything dialed in by machines because I I like human. Well, elements, and but. you know, I think it's this this um, uh, there's a certain kind of person who wants to try to quantify things that I don't think are quantifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, not to get too philosophical here, but like to me, beauty is not something that is quantifiable. You can't input a certain numbers into a machine and say like, mm-hmm. this is beauty, replicate it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell it things that are beautiful and the machine will go, oh, okay, the human thinks this is cool and the human thinks this is cool. Mm-hmm. And then, so I will then spit this out in this combination and the human should think it's beautiful. And then, you know, maybe sometimes it will, mm-hmm. but to me, like it's, it's way more intangible than that. Um, 
And like, it's you, like I said, going kind of ringing back to that authenticity thing. Like, I think you're going to sense, I think people are going to always be able to kind of hone in on, all right, this is someone who is authentically approaching their art form Mm -hmm. versus someone who is like, oh, I'm going to let this machine do it for me. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I let machines do a lot of things for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Add numbers, um, you know, pick my next song on the playlist, you know, all this stuff. Stuff like that. But like, I don't want the machine telling me what's beautiful. Like I I Mm -hmm. want to craft that and I want to show it to other people authentically. Mm -hmm. Like to me, if, if I was just letting Luminar AI do all of my landscape edits, um, I would feel sheepish about showing people. I'd be like, yeah, well, I was there. And, you know, to kind of take a step back a little bit, there is um, validity to just being there, right? Mm-hmm. To getting the shot no matter when, like especially if it's a hard-to-reach place. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, you know, even if it somewhat feels easy to reach, you know, a lot of people have not been to Mount Rainier. So, mm-hmm. you know... Um, there's validity in just being there and capturing an image at all. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, the, you can't take that away totally. Mm-hmm. But you know, taking that next step and making the image artistic and capturing something about the the place is is really is is important, and it's important that it's authentic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of like if uh, in a, in a weird way, it's just like the, the reason why it's okay for a painter to put all those pieces together, which. Painters don't normally do anyway. Right. A lot of painters go very understated with everything. Right. Uh, to exp- to kind of make it more realistic or approachable or right, tell yeah. the story they want to tell. Yeah. Um, but the reason why that is is it is that person's imagination coming out. Right. Um, right. And so, well, it's yeah. interesting. Like you say that. Like, it, what's interesting is like paintings of landscapes. Like you know, if you if you go to a gallery in in Jackson, Wyoming, right. And you look at at painted landscapes of the Tetons. Mm-hmm. It's so rare that it's sunset. I was thinking about this the last mm-hmm. time we were up there. They paint in the middle of the day a mm-hmm. lot, and it's just like sunny, cloudless skies, or or just like super puffy. Like they're not capturing sunrise and sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, like sunrise and sunset is my favorite time to shoot photos it just is the golden hour the light the interaction the the transition from day to night or from night to day like Mm -hmm. you can't that drama is 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 unmistakable and Mm -hmm. um but it's just interesting me that like painters who could literally do whatever they want right Mm -hmm. they choose middle of the day you know a lot of the time and um you know, Buffalo wandering around in the foreground, right? You know, mm-hmm. just like, and it's, um, to me, that's interesting. I don't, I don't really know. I don't know that I have a point like, you know, this is why, but yeah, exactly why <laughs> I guess it's just that having everything be so perfect is being, is proven time and time again to not necessarily be what people really love right. as much as it garners a response. Like you see mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and like like when we first went to that Luminar AI page, like my immediate response is, oh, that's kind of cool. But then you start looking at it. Like I didn't even see the birds at first. They didn't really jump out at me. Right. Then you mentioned them and I'm like, boy, that's kind of weird. Like you added birds and like it it's actually if you just hold your cursor over the image on um uh on the website, you can see the raw image and it's like Later of the day, like it's kind of a nice photo to be honest with you. Honestly, if I had to pick between the two, I would choose the first one. Uh, and I'm not joking. I actually like the sky better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's 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 uh, you know you know the clouds aren't exactly where you would put them, mm-hmm. right? But the light is there, and I can tell that that's what it was like. You know, having someone who spent a lot of time in the mountains, I know what moments like that feel like, mm-hmm. and that's what it feels like. And then, like, I've never had a moment where the sun rays were shooting into the sky like that, but, you know, it was dark up in the corner, and, like, I don't know. You know, we mm-hmm. could go on forever about this, but, like, you know, suffice to say, like, we just, uh, mm-hmm. it it's, to me, it's it's, like, I'm not as threatened by it as I'm sad about it. Mm-hmm. I'm sad that a lot of photographers are going to stunt their growth and will lose authenticity and and skill by just, you know, 
getting for what are they trading it for? Likes on Instagram, mm -hmm. honestly. Well, they're they're gonna lose the moments that photography gets to bring you to. Right. And I think that there's a, an argument that I definitely have heard a lot from people being like photography can get between you and the experience. Like you're so focused on the photo, you're not in the moment. Right. Yeah. And like, there's been moments where I have been disappointed because my camera was down and I couldn't take photos of something I wanted to take photos of or, right, right. or, um, something was going on, but so many moments now, priceless moments for me, um, have been caused by the fact that I had a camera to help motivate me to go to those places, at those yeah. places get up, mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. that long drive, uh, stay in that cheap hotel or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, things that you wouldn't or in the back of a van. Yeah. Or in the back of the van or, um, whatever, just so you can get to be in a place at a moment. And you mm -hmm. do that for the photos. I mean, I would do it just for the moment, maybe, but I would never do it as often. And the payoff of being able to take that home just for yourself, not for other people, right, is such a big deal because it's like, well, I went there and I did that. And I think that that is a lot of photographers. That's what they do it for. They mm -hmm. do it for the motivation. Like when we went right. to Mesa Arch, most of those photographers, maybe in the back of their head, they had aspirations of having a gallery or or posting it on Facebook, but really probably the thing that they want is to show their friends that they did this. They cool did this thing. cool thing. Yep. And to share that with people that they care about. And that's right. most of them. And they spent thousands of dollars to get there, thousands of dollars on camera gear for that experience. Right. Yeah. So if you get so intense about just making it look perfect and, and getting a bunch of likes on, on, on Instagram or whatever, if you take that up, you're, you're losing out on what a lot of people's passion for photography really is, especially right. nature. Yeah. You are missing out. You are the mm -hmm. one who's missing out. And, um, and ultimately, you know, I'm not going to say that anyone who uses Luminar AI is not a real photographer. We're not going there, mm -hmm. but you are missing out. If you, if you feel like you need to have that much change to your photos, you're missing out on, on, like you said, on, on what makes landscape photography truly, you know, wonderful and, mm -hmm. and a unique experience. So indeed. All right. So, um, to kind of wrap things up today, we, um, actually are going to be introducing a thing where we kind of do a, a, a pick of the week type mm -hmm. thing. So something that we either saw or used or liked, sometimes it'll be, a piece of gear or mm -hmm. um, in this case, it's something that we watched. And mm -hmm. um, I actually stumbled on this um, over the weekend on Disney plus. I wasn't expecting Disney plus, but yeah, that's true. It doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. Right. Yeah. Disney plus, but um, they, they own national geographic video or whatever now. So, mm -hmm. or partnered, whatever. So they just added a, a documentary called lost on Everest. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually really, really enjoyed it. it you know, I'm, as someone who's uh, kind of a Everest aficionado and, mm -hmm. and consumes pretty much, you know, all Everest media on stuff like that, I just get really interested in it. Mm -hmm. um, particularly the documentaries, the movie, the, the live action movie was, was decent. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I kind of liked the, the documentaries and all that. Um, and this one was particularly um, and impressive. Um, mm -hmm. And you saw it too. So yes, I just watched it this morning. Got up early <laughs> to, to watch it before the, uh, the podcast right I, I loved it and uh you know those kind of out of those kinds of films um which kind of got me into video in the first place was a mm -hmm. big part of motivating mm -hmm. me to be interested at all uh was banff mountain film festival and stuff like that when right. it came around right uh so this is something you'd expect to see there i mean i don't know if it's national geographic i don't know if they're gonna put it in that kind of it film is festival, something but, that you would expect to see um, there yeah but it is something you'd expect to see the um the character crafting in it just as like a first off, like the people that are there, I felt like you really had a grasp on who was going and their parts that they were playing. Right. The editing was very concise. Right. Um, you didn't have a lot of fluff. No, um, there wasn't a lot of fluff. But no. It also didn't feel like necessarily you were just jumping from unconnected moment to unconnected moment either. Um, it did a good job of just feeling like you're going on this adventure with them right. as they're moving right. through. So very well executed. And this is one of the guys that helped shoot. Um, I 
wish I could remember his name. Renan. Renan. Ozturk. Ozturk, Ozturk I think. Mm-hmm. He helped on, I believe, on Free Solo, and he in, was... In I mean, Meru. He was in Meru. I think he, he worked on Free Solo, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, I don't, I'm not sure who edited it. I'm not sure. I mean, there was more cameramen than just him, and, and right. it's a bigger production, of course, but I just appreciated a little bit more of a... Uh, of a personal thing and, and not as much. It didn't feel as, I don't necessarily have a problem with this with free, uh, uh, free solo necessarily, but there's definitely a hero worship thing and kind of a, almost a freak show thing that can mm-hmm. happen with that kind of yes. film. Yes. Where yeah. it's like, here's this person and this is the crazy stuff they're doing. And, uh, you know, it makes them, it just, it's all about kind of framing that person, which is very interesting and cool. I don't right. actually have a, a problem with that. But this one felt like it was more about Everest than Edward. Um, uh, sorry, not Edward Hillary. Um, uh, George Mallory. George, George Mallory. So and, the premise uh, is, is that in 1924, so this was 25 years-ish um, before um, uh, Tenzing Norgay and Sir Edmund Hillary summited Everest. Mm-hmm. Um uh, George Mallory and Sandy Irvin made an attempt from the north side, so the the opposite, the Tibetan China side, um, and they were seen about 800 feet below the summit, and then clouds descended, and then they weren't ever seen again, and nobody knew, no one knows if they summited or not, basically. Mm-hmm. Um and so in 1999, an expedition actually found George Mallory's body. Mm-hmm. And they were hoping that on that body there was going to be a, a camera that showed, um, you know, whether they made it to the summit. There wasn't. Um, and so it was assumed that uh, Sandy Irvin had the, 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 the camera, which would actually make more sense anyway, because uh, Mallory was kind of the expedition leader. Like he would mm-hmm. be the, not the documenter. Um, so what this what this documentary is about is actually going back to Everest and searching for Sandy Irvin's body. They they think they've kind of um, pinpointed where it might be on the mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, um, which that whole process is very interesting. Like how they kind of got to this like you know this huge mountain, kind of where they've they've kind of figured out if it's if it's on the mountain at all, it, this is where it is. Mm-hmm. And so this team goes and some of them were, were on the team that found Mallory and all this stuff. And then, you know, drama unfolds. We don't want to want to spoil too much about, about everything that they, Mm -hmm. they find out there. But, um, I think one thing that I appreciated is, is that it's kind of gotten very popular to kind of, um, rag on people, uh, who want to climb Everest. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, you know, there's, there's reasons for that, I think. Um, but this documentary kind of, you know, kind of took it another direction with that. They kind of, they kind of, you felt like that's where it was going at the beginning. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of see these, these people go through, um, uh, the character arc where they, um, they arrive at a different place with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, as you know, one of the, one of the guys says, you know, like everyone here still climbing has the spirit of, of George Mallory. Like there's, there's something intangible about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, that, that kind of gets written off with like, Oh, it's all these, you know, crazy rich jerks who, um, who want to just, you know, say they got to the top of the mountain and mm-hmm. you know, that's what they did. And, and I'm sure there's some of that, but it's it's hard enough. I th- I think kind of their point was, was was that it's hard enough to climb Everest that it, it Everest kind of sorts through those people mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Like um, you know, it it is hard. There's you know, some of these people are professional climbers and they struggle mm-hmm. on on Everest. Like, and it's not you know not that it's technically, um, it's not that it's technically the hardest mountain out there. I think it, it's hard mm-hmm. enough. But it's it's that you know it's it's the tallest and like you know the the layout of it and everything mm-hmm. just kind of comes together and in the altitude of course and just you know just the altitude yeah just the, the altitude yeah. itself is is because it's you know it's significantly taller than um, than K two number two which is actually mm-hmm. also way harder to climb mm-hmm. um, which and you know I'm I'm fascinated by K two um, as well there's so much drama with uh, with K two. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, um, and so, you know, I, I felt like someone, like if you weren't into mountain climbing, you know, if you weren't into that kind of thing, I feel like you might come away with this documentary with a little bit of a different feeling about it. Like mm-hmm. you, you'd, you'd feel less like, uh, judgmental, I think about the, the, the people out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I just, I found that really interesting. I also think it's interesting to kind of, um, be on the North side of the mountain for a change, you know, mm-hmm. everything else, all the other media is from the South, mm-hmm. um, from the Nepali side. And then, you know, the Tibetan side is, is, um, it's, it seems equally as beautiful and, and, mm-hmm. and equally as, as interesting. Um, yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, definitely worth checking out. Um, like if you're into, if you're into outdoor adventure, mountain climbing stuff, mm-hmm. and if you're into um, photography too, because, you know, kind of loop it around there, like the, the imagery is, is really well done mm-hmm. throughout the whole it thing. Is. It's, it's, in, it's really well shot and just the image quality in general. Like I've never seen shots as high quality from that high on Everest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it's, they also were using, they weren't using some completely inaccessible cameras and equipment. Right. Um, they were using black magic cameras. I saw GH five. I saw an S two. Yep. And I saw and an S2. A DJI, yeah. uh, I think it was the uh oh the Mavic the Mavic the Mavic yeah the Gen the drone, drone which that whole sequence is, is kind of amazing and really and, and kind of yeah. pulse pounding but it is and the you know it, it's really them the way that they were able to use that equipment to get really high quality results and as a weird sort of segue and for the photo gearheads out there that probably listen to this podcast right right um <laughs> A huge part of the reason why I made the decision to move over to Canon is I feel like they do have the most access to the most compelling video equipment right now mm. from the Blackmagic cameras. I mean, Micro Four Thirds is also completely accessible. I mean, in some ways, Micro Four Thirds is better on EF than it is with its own glass because of, right, uh, right. Because of uh, speed boosters and stuff. And then, of course, you have the the new R cameras that just came out. They they didn't use those, of course, right? Um, but that sort of move that uh, I think that they that Canon was able to to take was uh, very positive in order to kind of make them the most appealing. Right, mm-hmm. uh, I think so. I mean, I I think that the the S three would be fun if you were shooting video up there. Oh yes. In the yes. low light. Oh, I think stuff. he was using an S2. He was using an S2 um, and a, a and 24 to 70. It looked like the, you know, as the primary shooter, that's what he was using. It could have been an a seven three maybe. Right. I mean, um, I think it was an, the reason why I think it's an S2 um, was some of the low light shots. Mm-hmm. They, the high ISO shots um, just, they looked, uh, they, they look, look super clean. They are super clean, and and the time lapse work was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and and w- I think another thing is that it really gave you a sense of place where they are on the mountain, mm-hmm. which is which is different. I think a lot of of documentaries like that, they um, they they tend to just like figure that you don't actually care about where on the mountain like things were like may keep mm-hmm. you oriented the whole movie. They mm-hmm. figure that they're like, oh, well, they're on the mountain. Like, that's all that really matters to most people. And it probably is all that matters to most people. But someone like me, mm-hmm. to have him, like, you know, constantly orienting you, like, this is where George Mallory's body was, and this is where they are looking for Irvin's body. Mm-hmm. Like, like showing you and being like, and this is where they are now. And, you know, like, that was really valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just made it so much more interesting and enriching. So, yeah. anyway. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, we are uh, we're kind of um, hoping to do this uh, this uh, podcast, video cast, whatever, um, weekly ish. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, if you have any uh, questions for us, like uh, or you know potential topics um, yeah, that you'd like sure. us to discuss, or um, our uh, our opinions on sky replacement really upset you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you could, uh, drop a, uh, whoa, motorcycle. Woo. Indeed. Um, if you could just drop a comment down below and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll, we would, uh, there's a decent chance we'll, we'll, um, get to it in, in the next, uh, yeah, for sure. The next episode. So, um, Indeed. uh, and then, um, you know, um, you can um, subscribe to our channel and see all the videos where we mm-hmm. get out to the mountains and 
Yeah, and also check us out on, um, if you're on YouTube, you can check us out on uh, your favorite podcasting app because we are offering an audio only. Right, That's easier for you to use and download and everything else. Um, Yeah. So we are offering that as well. So, um, uh, yeah. Well, we will uh, see you uh, next week. Yeah. Bye.